I'm Kim Reynolds of Dogman.com with Chris Fatter, Scott Eklund. It is Sunday morning. Sorry last night about not having the podcast out in a timely fashion. We run into technical difficulties, which doesn't happen that often, but uh, it did. So our apologies for that. And uh, we'll make it up to you today. Just a lot going on after last night's game and then the Apple Cup being in flux. And we'll talk about that quite a bit. But Let's first of all focus on that game where Washington defeated Arizona 44-27 to in front of an announced attendance of 253, down from 294 last week on a really nice day out at Husky Stadium. Temperature was in the low 40s and no rain whatsoever, so it was actually a nice chilly day, you know, just perfect for football. You could still see the leaves and the trees, you know, still falling off, but just a beautiful night at Husky Stadium last night. But really impressive win by Washington. They came out and uh they just started it right off the bat, you know, with their first series with Run the Damn Football, Jimmy Lake wearing the hat and uh I got a chance to listen to the first quarter uh broadcast this morning with Mark Helfrich and uh I don't know if you guys remember what he said. He said he would have bet the house that they would have come out passing and that's exactly what they did, you guys. Yeah, I I actually kinda chuckled when I heard him say that and and uh I think all of us thought that. I think he pretty much anybody in the media who was watching it thought that was gonna happen. The weather was nicer. They they were able to gain a little bit of confidence in Dylan Morris. They are able to open things up a little bit more, throw the ball down the field, and Arizona's secondary is not very good. And, um, you know, it's Washington had a chance to make some plays in the air. They they actually left some some plays out on the field. There were there were way too many drops from those wide receivers. But still, I, I thought one of the best games you could you could expect from from the Huskies all the way around, won all three phases of the game and just dominated from the from the get go till the end of the third quarter, and we don't really need to talk about the fourth quarter. What about yeah, I, what about what about run the damn ball? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what about they that? Wait, hold on, wait a second. Is this is this Jimmy Lake just just pulling everyone's leg? Is this is this him? Has to he not been doing what? that since the start of camp when he was saying nine to six was the score of the of the game? Is it? But is this him zigging again while we're trying to zag to his earlier zig? I mean, is he trying to play like six-dimensional chess well, with, the thing, with everyone? Well, but the thing of it is, Chris, last week they only threw the ball 24 times. They only threw it 26 times yesterday. That's it, 26. But it was down the field. That's a little yeah. bit – that's the difference. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, yeah, and 18, and 18 of those were in the first half. Um, yeah, 25 of those were through three quarters. Yeah, I mean – I like the way the offense looked. I thought um, Dylan Morris, and we talked about this a little earlier in the week, I think that, uh, you know, the training wheels were taken off and where they had the hand on the back of the seat on that bicycle, they kind of let it go a little bit and let Dylan Morris throw the ball a little bit. Uh, he had a couple of really nice strikes to Kate Otten, his deep balls. I think he figured it out a little bit later, but he's got to get a little bit more air under the ball. He's throwing, um, you know, just too much of a line drive and not giving himself a chance. You know, take a look at the way Russell Wilson floats that ball up there to give his guys a chance. But overall, I think uh, this was another step forward for Dylan Morris. I was really impressed with uh, what he did out there, guys. Yeah, I think it was one of those things where, yeah, I mean, it's easy for us to critique and, and let, you know, say, hey, put more air under the ball, put more air under the ball. You know, he's trying to make sure that the ball gets completed to the right guy instead of the thought of putting the ball up there and letting the guys run under him, right? And then, because that kind of almost implies that it's gonna, you're gonna give 
the opposition more of an opportunity to catch the ball. But the reality was is that the Washington guys were running free enough that if he did just kind of lay it out there, there was no way the Arizona DBs were getting to those those passes. Um, Jalen McMillan, um, Bynum, those I mean they were making they were making great runs down the field, vertical routes, and they had opportunities. But you know what? What's the great What's the hallmark of a great uh, of a great competitor? You know he figured it out by the third fourth quarter. He was well third quarter at least. Yeah. He was putting them up there in a position where those guys were able to go out and try to make plays, and he had corrected that. And um, I thought that was a great uh, great sign of a kid that's clearly in focus. He's really dialed into what he's doing, and when he sees something that needs to be addressed, he clearly addressed it. And it didn't look like it was a problem from uh, from like halftime going forward. First uh, series of the game, um, three and out. Washington gets back in punt formation. Looks like Jackson Sermon went ahead and called for uh, the direct snap. He got the first down on that. And then um, third down, uh, third and what was it, 10 or 11, I think it was. Third and 10. Third, third and 10, 10 just uh, – Throws a pass a little bit behind Puka Nakua, but uh, Puka takes it to the house, and uh, I think that really opened the eyes of the guys upstairs, seeing that they could just abuse uh, Arizona safeties all night long, and they did. But uh, talk, talk to us a little bit about the safety, Scott, for Arizona. Damon Heward said on the broadcast that those may be the worst safety he's ever seen in the Pac-12. Yeah, I, okay, that's... That's fine. I mean, he, he knows a lot of that stuff, but, uh, I think, you know, <laughs> let's just say they might not be the worst, but they're, they're right there with all of them. I, you know, I don't know over the years how many bad safety tandems there have been. There's probably been quite a few, but those guys just don't understand angles. They don't understand positioning. The, the touchdown to Kate Otten where he basically makes one move on the, I think it was an outside linebacker. It might have been a, a corner. And, um, makes a move, gets right in the middle of the field and there's no one there when the, I'm assuming the guy who was playing him right on the line was thinking that he had help over the top, but he really didn't. The guy was positioned incorrectly in order to be able to cover that. So, um, yeah, not, not good angles. That's one of the reasons Puka Nakua was able to blast forward for that 65 yard touchdown. Um, terrible angles, no speed, no athleticism and, you can just see that they just they they have some talent on the offensive side of the ball. They're just defensively they're just lacking. And that's not all their fault. You know, they've had those three guys that transferred out. We mentioned it in the pregame show that they had those three the top three tacklers that would have been coming back this year um all transferred to different schools and then you had their best defensive end opt out as well, but in the secondary they just don't have anybody with speed or or instincts, and it, and it just looks to me like like a team who's kind of playing out the string, trying to figure things out, and hoping that they get one more year to try and figure things out there on the back end. And then, in addition, their defensive line it was pretty um, pretty telling. Just even on the first series, they're pretty thin at defensive line, and they're not able to rotate guys in like Washington. And Washington is able to bring fresh guys in all the time, but those guys were breathing hard. Um, you know, in that first series. So I think that was also an indication that Washington was going to have a big day offensively. Chris, you know, you talk about, um, you know, the stable, uh, they, it was in full, full force, uh, last night, Sean McGrew getting the start over Kamari Pleasant, but all four backs were effective last night. 
They were. And, um, just to, just to underscore your point about that, about Arizona's defensive line, you know, Jalen Harris is a good player, but when you look at Blackwell, the New Mexico transfer, Lopez, the New Mexico state transfer, who I thought had a really good game, um, at least starting out, you know, if they didn't, if those guys had not gone to Arizona, I'm not sure what Arizona does in terms of even having a defensive line for a game like they played Saturday night. Um, in terms of the stable, yeah, I mean, they, they did a nice job. Bonifa, um, clearly has a kind of a, uh, you know, he has, he has a lot of guys obviously that he can go to. And the ironic thing about it was, is that the one main takeaway, according to Jimmy Lake Monday, was that they should have used Sean McGrew near the end of the game where they could have really salted it away. Maybe they score a touchdown instead of kicking a field goal on that last Oregon State drive. Well, Sean McGrew got the most carries last night, but he only averaged 3.2 yards a carry. The guy who averaged 10 yards a carry, who was the Sean McGrew for the Arizona game, was Richard Newton. Obviously, he had the 54-yard touchdown to really put the game away for good. But, you know, it, it, it's, it just goes to show it could be any guy on any night. First night, it was McGrew. Last night, it was Newton. Maybe the next game it's Cameron Davis or it's Kamari Pleasant coming through. Uh, Pleasant had the most carries against Oregon State. Of the four, he had the least carries last night, but he still averaged seven yards a carry. Cameron Davis, 5.8 yards a carry. So it really didn't matter who they were rotating through, and I think that's kind of the point. The point is, as long as they're able to rotate fresh bodies through, that really is going to wear down a defensive line and a defensive front. And and you really saw that. I mean, Jimmy Lake said it himself in his post-game comments. He goes, when we're running behind that massive offensive line and we're able to rotate fresh bodies, it's the defense is going to break. I mean, that's what it's designed to do. The offensive line and those backs are designed to break a defensive front. And that's exactly what we saw last night. Nine ball carriers last night in total. They're using their uh, wide receivers on the fly uh, fly sweeps. But Richard Newton, eight carries for 81 yards. Cameron Davis, eight carries for 46 yards. Kamari Pleasant, six carries for 43. Sean McGrew, 11 for 35. And then Terrell Bynum, Jalen McMillan, each had a carry on fly sweeps. And then you had Jacob Sermon. A couple of scrambles, uh, counting as uh, carries, and Jackson Sermon, of course, on the fake punt. And Dylan Morris actually had six carries for five yards. He had a, as well as the quarterback sneak worked last week. Uh, didn't work so well this week. I'm not sure that that was the right call. I thought he was in the end zone, um, actually, on the quarterback uh, keeper. But, you know, let's talk a little bit about Dylan Morris. I thought he had another just really, really nice game. Um you know, uh, perfect on fourth down again, uh, well over 50% on um, third down efficiencies and the big important numbers, no turnovers. He's not forcing the ball in trying to make plays. And you're going to get some people that say he's not making plays, but, you know, he's not forcing it in there. He's not making turnovers. And I thought Dylan Morris had another really nice game, Scott. Well, let's let's look at it this way, though. If Jalen McMillan makes either one of those two catches, um, both of them tough, but still should have been made. For if you're the, you know, top five wide receiver in the country and and come in with the accolades he came in with, you got to make those plays. So, um, you know, I I think 
uh, Jalen McMillan would tell you if, if you could talk to him that he should make those plays, especially the one that just went off of his fingertips. I think he expects to make that play. And I think Jalen McMillan three weeks from now might make that play. Even a year from now, I definitely think he makes that play. So, um, you know, you get a couple of those, uh, drops that end up being, being, uh, catches and, Maybe this is even a bigger score than it than it was when it finally ended up. So, um, you know, I I don't think you can complain anything about what uh, Dylan Morris said. Anybody who's saying that he wasn't really the starter is high. He was named the starter after the fourth preseason game by Jimmy by Jimmy Lake, according to Lake and the players. He was said that that's what would that's what the decision was. So anybody who thinks that it's because Kevin Thompson's out or whatever, no. Dylan Morris is a starter on this team. He has been. He won the job in camp. And uh I think he's just going to take this thing and run with it. What's going to be real interesting is, is if he keeps progressing like we do, what's it going to look like in the matchup with him and Sam Heward and, and then these other guys that are going to be coming back hopefully next year? What's that quarterback competition going to look like? It's going to be crazy next spring or next uh next fall. Yeah, one of the things that drives me crazy is, you know, it's kind of meant to be a diss or um, a rip on a quarterback saying he's just a game manager. Well, if you take the guys that you got around you and you manage those guys to a win, I'll take a game manager any day if it leads to a win. So um, Dylan Morris isn't Kyler Murray. He's not Russell Wilson, but he's not turning the ball over. He's being real effective. So, you know, tell me, uh, give me your impressions of Dylan Morris on last night's game, Chris. Well, yeah, bottom line is I think game manager gets a negative connotation because it implies that they can't win the game on their own when they, if the opportunity uh, presents itself. And I think we're still, the jury is still way out on that. I mean, he hasn't even been confronted with a situation where he's had to do that kind of thing. So why would you put yourself needlessly in that kind of position? Oh, and by the way, Washington is the only, now now it's two games, granted, I get it. Stats are for losers. But through two games, Washington's the only team in FBS that has not committed a turnover. I think Jimmy Lake likes that stat. And I think he'll be more than happy with uh, Dylan Morris, quote-unquote, game managing if uh, he continues to keep that stat at zero. Because that's a huge stat, as everybody knows. When you look at the final result and you look at how the numbers crunch, Yes, they, you know, these guys are going to look at things like time of possession now as being a, a big factor. Um, depending on the offense you run, you look at different metrics and all that. Yes. But turnovers and turnover uh, margin, that stat never changes when it comes to the out- outcome of a game. Direct correlation between turning the ball over and losing football games. Plain and simple. And so, go ahead. I think one of the unsung heroes of this offense right now is uh, Ty Jones. You know, everybody just looks at wide receivers and they look at the catches they make. But uh, you take a look at what Ty Jones is doing in the running game and the blocks that he's making and the quick out passes. He's becoming a real, real devastating blocker out there on the edge. And at his size, what is he, 6'5", 220, 225? It's like having an extra tight end out there. But uh, keep an eye on um, Ty Jones. Scott, have you noticed that at all? Well, I I thought Ty, you know, he is big. He's a, a really good blocker. But I, I one thing I was very impressed with was I instead of him going for those long passes or, or going for jump balls and possibly winning them, he was making plays in the middle of the field in the short intermediate zones as well. He only had two catches last night, 
And I, I honestly thought he had more than that, but, um, yeah, I was, I was, I've been impressed with his progression as a wide receiver. Still needs to do some work on his hands, make, make sure he's getting some of those, those catches that, that he can make and, uh, he starts converting those. Washington's going to be that much more deadly in the passing game. Well, they put Kamari Pleasant in at times on third down because he's probably the best pass protector out of all the guys in the backfield. And on those running plays, it sure seems like they want Ty Jones in there because of his blocking ability. Well, I guys, I don't know if you guys noticed this, but on Puka Nakua's long run, touchdown run, Ty Jones basically evacuated his guy down the right side of the field. Yeah. The re- the yeah, reason he was leading the way. Nakua- yeah, the reason why Puka Dakua was able to run down that right side is because he had a convoy by the name of Ty Jones. And then the game before, Oregon State, I think it was either Mike Varell or someone else had posted a video of Ty Jones basically blocking a guy 15 yards down the field. Um, Kate Otten and Ty Jones right now are leading the line when it comes to the, to the out, outside skill guys moving people from point A to point B. And it's a beautiful thing to watch. Um, I still contend that, that you can pretty much tell how old or how young a Washington fan is by how they've reacted to this power run scheme. Well, I got a text from my father last night and all I could say was that the exact text was, Oh baby, I'm loving this. Okay. That's a guy that's seen power football all the way through like during the, the Owens years and he was, you know, we were remarking about the fullback dives and all these kinds of things. This is all about taking people and imposing your will on someone else, moving them to a place they don't want to be. And that is, that's pure football. That is football in its purest sense. And right now, guys like Ty Jones and Kate Otten are doing that out on the edges. And it's, it's really making a huge difference on how this offense looks and how it runs. Throw a little bit of Jack Westover in there too, lining up as a fullback and in the slot and uh, he's doing a good job as well. But, you know, just blocking is, you know, it's 90% will. I mean, it's want to. And these guys just seem really motivated in everything they do. You know, they're taking on a little bit of the personality of their coach. They're wound up, they're hyped up, and it's kind of cool to see, especially on the sidelines. One of the things that uh, Junior uh, Adams has said several times in the in the couple camps we've been able to cover of his is that if you don't block you don't get the rock that's the way he that's the way he looks at it and some of those people have wondered some people wondered why he was starting guys like Aaron Fuller, Andre Bocelli last season and and why some of the younger guys weren't getting runs and things like that well if you don't block you don't get to play in this system if you're not a blocker as a receiver you don't, <clears throat> you don't get the ball thrown your way. You don't get to, you don't get the chance to do it. Look how, uh, Terrell Bynum, uh, earned his way onto the field. Look how Jordan Chin earned his way on the field. Those guys were put in, in, in heavy run packages and they were asked to block and they did their job. And that's why they started to see more passes thrown that way. If, you know, a lot of people are questioning why isn't Austin Osborne? Why isn't Marcus Spiker? Although I don't know if Spiker was dressed last night or not, but, um, you know, it, why aren't these guys playing and they're talented receivers, but you cannot play in this system unless you block. And if you don't block, you're going to sit on the sidelines. Taking a look over at the defensive side of the ball, just an outstanding game. Chris, do you have the uh, end of the third quarter stats in front of you? 
Um, yeah, I do. Actually. Read those stats, total yards, time of possession, and all that, just at the end of the third quarter. Through because... third, yeah, through three quarters, obviously the score was 37 nothing. Uh, total yards was 392 to 66. Average uh, yards per rush was 4.5 to 0. 0.9. Uh, total rush yards was 162 to 16. Total pass yards was 230 to 50. Uh, third downs, Washington was 8 of 13, 62%. Arizona was 0 for 9. I think we can all compute that one. That's a huge number. Yeah, total plays, 61 to 36. Total yard or average yards per play, 6.4 to 1.8. Time of possession, 30 minutes and 39 seconds to 14 minutes and 21 seconds. Turnovers. No turnovers for Washington, two turnovers for Arizona. And sacks, I think, was five to one. Okay, not only was um Arizona 0 for what was it, 0 for eight, 0 for nine on third down. They had a yep. fourth down or two in there too. Is it is 0 for that one? 0 for one. Washington was two for two. Yeah, those are huge numbers right there. Huge numbers, but, uh, you know, I, I said last week that, uh, I thought a star was born last week in Zion, Tupaola, Fatui, ZTF, and he turned it up another notch yesterday, last night, and, uh, he's becoming a, a force off the edge, you guys. He, he didn't he, have, yeah, he didn't have ahead, the Chris. same stats. Yeah, he didn't have the same stats that he did against, um, Oregon State, but I'll tell you what, he certainly impacted the game in the exact same manner. I mean, he comes in right off the bat and causes some havoc and, and, and really takes Grant Gannell off his spot right away. Um, I'll tell you what, the right tackle, um, fears for Arizona, that guy is going to be having nightmares for weeks because of what Washington was able to do with their defensive line, both, both Zion and Ryan Bowman. I mean, there was that one drive where they had a three and out where Zion, got the sack against him to start the drive and then they switched sides and then Bowman went after him and got the sack on the third down play. I mean, it was almost cruel watching him go. I mean, I know he got pulled. Fears got pulled because he was playing so poorly, but a lot of that had to do with the fact that both of those guys were absolutely humiliating him. And um yeah, it's been a long time since I've seen a pack 12 offensive lineman get really abused to the point where not only do they get pulled, but it, it, you kind of wonder what they were doing even recruiting that guy. I thought Josiah Bronson had a nice game inside, which kind of opened it up for those guys as well, Scott. Yeah, he did. I, You know, he is what he is. He's not going to be a guy who's going to get up field much and get pressure, but he's going to be able to hold hold the line and get some and uh, make some plays that way. Sam Taimani, I thought, had a really good game. And, uh, the two youngsters, you know, the two, two guys that, who are going to be, who are the future of this de- Husky defensive line, Jacob Bandis, um, and Fatui Tuatelli, those guys made a huge stop. I mean, Tuatelli was the guy who led the way on that fourth down stop, uh, um, in the, what, I think it was third quarter. And both of those guys got a lot of run in that third quarter, fourth quarter. And, uh, was just really impressed with, with how the defensive line rebounded after playing so poorly against Oregon State. I thought they played really, really well. They maintained their gaps. 
They they uh, were smart with their eyes. They did all the things, you know, I hate to say all the cliches of playing college football, but that's kind of what they were doing. And um, I'll tell you what, I, I was very impressed with what I saw. The linebackers still have some work to do. I think there's some some good things that happened to, uh, last night, but um, – I, you know, defensive line, I don't think you can complain considering that Thule wasn't playing, that, uh, Levi Anzarike is no longer there, even though that's been, you know, for the last couple months, we've known that wasn't going to be the case. But, um, I think those guys are doing really, really well, and I think they're only going to get better. Hey, Kim, real, quick, real quick, Kim, I also want to make sure, since we're talking about the front, also wanted to give a shout out to Savelle Smalls and Cooper McDonald. I thought those two guys, you know, obviously they're the future of the outside linebacker position. I think we started to see shoots of in in the, the play of both of those guys that tells you they could have a really big impact on the rest of this season and then obviously going forward. Um, it, it was really good to see. Now, Cooper, I mean, they both had like I think a tackle each. I think Cooper McDonald had that breakup where, boy, if he catches that thing clean, he's gone. And that could have been a pick six. Um, it really shows off his athleticism. What I was going to say, Washington fans, if you get a chance, if you've been in the habit this year of watching any Mountain West football, uh, go check out San Diego State because Cooper's brother plays outside linebacker for San Diego State. And you'll get a, a little sense for what Cooper could be like, if not even better. And Cooper's brother is really good. He's a very impressive player. We mentioned, you know, with uh, Thule being out and uh, Leatu Latu being out, good news is both of them were on the sidelines. Neither of them were dressed, but I didn't see anything that would be a cause for concern. I didn't see anybody in a sling. I didn't see anybody in a boot. I didn't see anybody limping, but um, they look like they're good to go, so they may be closer to returning than we think. Jimmy Lake, of course, is not going to let that cat out of the bag, but... You know, with those two guys coming back, there could be some big time reinforcements coming back. And, uh, you know, I'm not seeing, yeah. What I was going to, I was going to say real quick, and I know Scott kind of made a point of this that, that he had heard that they were potentially done. I don't know about Leatu Latu, but I've gotten people that have told me that they think Thule might be back in a week or two. He looked fine. He looked fine. Like I said, you know, he wasn't, neither one of them were walking with a limp. I didn't, you know, they just looked like normal guys in street clothes on the sidelines. So there's nothing jumping out that made it look like they were hurt. But, you know, you get a guy like Thule back on the inside. And one of the things that Jimmy Lake talked about post game was after Jamar Jefferson, you know, had a big game last week and Oregon State being able to run the ball that they put a heavy, heavy emphasis on stopping the run. And, I thought they did a really good job, Chris, of stopping the run. Uh, Gary Brightwell, who's one of the better running backs in the conference, he got loose for a 20 yard run, but they pretty much held him in check for 11 carries for 55 yards. And if you take out that 20 yard run, that would be 10 carries for 35 yards. I thought they did a really nice job on, uh, keeping Arizona's run game in check. Yeah. And if you, you know, again, went through the halftime stats, they had 12 yards rushing at halftime. That's insane. If you would have told me that Washington had 12, had given up only 12 yards rushing to Brightwell, you know, et cetera, I would have thought that's, there's no way. I mean, not, not the way I saw Gary Brightwell run the ball against USC, for instance. I mean, he had 112, 113 yards. Um, again, he's not one of those guys that's always going to be super explosive all the time, but he might go for a couple here, a couple there, and then he might break one. Um, and so that's where you saw that 20 yard run, for instance. But yeah, I mean, I thought the, this was a, 
this was a great example, and Jimmy Lake brought it up right at the very beginning of his post-game press conference, of how they took the film from the Oregon State game, took a look at the, the areas that clearly needed to get shored up in terms of technique and, and fit and everything else that they needed to do scheme-wise, and they put it into practice, they repped it, and they clearly got better from week one to week two. I mean, there's no doubt about it. When you look at uh, Edifuano Lafoscio, you look at Jackson Sermon, MJ Tafisi got a bunch of time in there, and then obviously in the fourth quarter, everybody else got in. Um, but you look at those main three guys, for instance, you could tell that they had repped it and they really improved quite a bit. I didn't see a ton of busts at all. I, maybe one or two where they may have gotten caught and they got washed out, but really, in the grand scheme of things, it was leagues better than it was against Oregon State. Taking a look at the defensive backs, Elijah Molden had another outstanding game. I think he's really playing like an All-American right now. I think he's having a great game, a uh, great season so far. Uh, it's only two games, but uh, he's playing really well. Keith Taylor, I think, is playing really well. Fortunately, the targeting call that they initially called on him got called called off. So uh, Keith Taylor having a nice game. Kyler Gordon all over the field. He had some issues, you know, in the fourth quarter. But, you know, that could be, um, you know, blamed on some of the other stuff as well. But, you know, Scott, I think that when uh, Elijah Molden went down, uh, I think it was a scare to everybody. And that just more than made up Jimmy Lake's mind that when the game was, you know, perfectly well in hand, let's get the reserves in there. Oh yeah. Well, I, you know, I think he was going to do that anyway, cause he needs to get some film on these guys. They're not going to have many chances to get in and get, get, you know, cause they only have what, three more games, four more games at the most. And, and, uh, you gotta, you gotta get these guys in and get them reps because Molden's gone after this season. Keith Taylor's gone very likely after this season. I mean, well, Scott, I guess how, how important is it to get film on guys like Julius Irvin and Dominic Hampton and just, you know, being able to go into film today or tomorrow and get film absolutely. on those guys? It's absolutely it's important. Yeah, it's absolutely important to get, get those guys on film and, and see what they can do. And when the, when the, when they don't know what play is coming after you see it so many times in fall camp, you know, there comes the point where you're just, you're going to be able to guess what, what the play call is going to be or whatever. So, um, to play a team that, that, that doesn't have that agenda, you know, Washington needs to get reps for those guys. And I would have liked to seen them, uh, let Jacob Sermon throw the ball a little bit more. Um, only because I think that guy needs reps. Cause if Dylan Morris gets hurt and let's be honest, uh, Jacob Sermon is one play away from being able to play and, uh, knock on wood, but, um, you know, Jacob Sermon needs to get reps, and at the very least, if I'm Jacob Sermon, I'm asking if I can get reps so I can put it down on film. So when teams, if he does want to transfer after this season, teams have a have an idea of what he can do. And I'd like to see them throw the ball a little bit more. But then again, when you're up like Washington was, it looks like you're just piling on, and you don't want to do that too. So it's a it's a fine line you have to walk. Hey Chris, fourth quarter. I know it was kind of a, a tough deal for. Um, you know, the defense, but, you know, they put reserves in on both sides of the ball. Any young guys, you know, in that fourth quarter that really jumped out at you on either side of the ball when the game was pretty much in hand? Well, absolutely. I think on offense, you got to really start with the offensive line. I mean, that offensive line, that second team offensive line. So we're looking at Troy Fautanu at left tackle, uh, Nate Kalepo at left guard. You had Mateo Mele at center. You had Julius Bulo at right guard and Corey Luciano at right tackle. 
those were the guys that, uh, you know, allowed Richard Newton. They opened up some holes for Richard Newton and he goes scoring on that 54 yard scamper to, to really close things out. Was Miles uh, Morale in there, by the way? No. It I was, it was well, Morale may have played at the very, very end. I know that Mele was the, was the center in there when they scored. Right. Um, so yeah, they may have even put the third. I don't, to be honest with you, you know, with two minutes left in the game, I was really not paying attention as to who was in the game with the offense. I was a little bit more interested in what was going on defensively. Um, again, 63 guys played. So, I mean, everybody, you'd have to go back and look at the participation chart. Um, which of course was ironic this morning when I saw threads on the message board asking about people who didn't play <laughs> after everyone was hemming and hawing about giving up so many points and seeing so many guys, you know, play. It's like, which way do you want it? <laughs> it's yeah. like, okay, fair enough. But, but, you know, the offensive line, again, I thought on that side of the ball, it was really important to see those guys step up and, and not just to get in the game, but to play as a unit because that's the key for offensive line. It's all about communication. It's all about how you, you know, are playing with the guy next to you. And I thought they did a phenomenal job in, in the limited reps that they did get. Um, defensively, again, I go back to guys like Savelle Smalls and, and Cooper McDonald getting in. Obviously, they got in a little bit earlier than those other guys. But, you know, my rejoinder to anybody that was disappointed in seeing the younger guys come in and saying, well, they shouldn't have taken their, their foot off the gas and, you know, yada, yada, yada. Bottom line is, look at look at what happened. You're telling me they didn't need those reps? What if, what if, what if those guys had to go in in a high leverage situation? Yeah. I mean, you got a chance to put them in when there was literally nothing at stake in terms of the, the, the outcome of the game. You couldn't have, you couldn't have scripted a better opportunity for those guys to get in and play. So, you know, you have, at some point you got to play them. At some point you do. I mean, this is how develop, this is how depth is built. And eligibility doesn't matter. It's on hold. Well, that's also true, but I would say that even if, even if there was, even if the eligibility thing did matter this year, Jimmy Lake would not have done anything different. The Apple Cup, scheduled for Friday. Will it be played? Will they play the Cougs of BYU, Cougs of Washington State, or somebody else? Quick break with our sponsors, and we'll break that down and more when we return. It's the guys from Dogman.com on Dogman Radio. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back. It's the guys from Dogman.com. I'm Kim Reynolds along with Chris Fetter, Scott Eklund, Apple Cup scheduled for Friday, will it be played? It sounds like the latest. We probably won't know until Monday morning at some point. There's roster issues over at Washington State with, you know, they had a short roster before the COVID stuff hit and they've got several players, um, you know, that tested positive for COVID. They've got guys in quarantine. They've got guys injured. So sounds like they're kind of unsure and maybe leaning towards not playing that game. BYU sounds like they're kind of on hold a little bit waiting for the college football playoff to be, uh, polled to be announced. And that's Tuesday, is it guys? Yeah, I believe that's right. 
Yeah, I think that's what it is. It's either Tuesday or Wednesday, but I think it's Tuesday. Arizona and Utah are trying to schedule a game that possibly could be on Sunday. So this Apple Cup's really up in the air, guys. I don't know what's going to happen. But, uh, you know, being that the game's on a Friday, if they can push it to a Friday, uh, excuse me, a Saturday or a Sunday, that might help. But uh, it's going to be an interesting week following that. So, um, you know, keep an eye on that. Just thoughts on that, Scott. I mean, the schedule's going to be a mess, and this team's playing really, really well. It would really suck to not have a game this week. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I and I want to. I really want to see Washington and Washington State play in the Apple Cup, but obviously, you know, if they don't have enough healthy players, they're not going to be able to do it. And um, I think Washington is. Washington has to be playing a football game this weekend, whether it's against Washington State or somebody else. They've got to figure out a way to do it. I know that uh Jen is probably uh involved with some other schools and talking to them quite quite a bit and trying to figure things out, but I don't think she's going to schedule anything until they figure out what's going on with Washington State. Hopefully we know here uh, in the next, you know, 12 to 24 hours and and we find out something so that they can go about scheduling and getting getting equipment sent somewhere or, or that other school sending equipment up to the University of Washington, whatever it is. They need to be playing this weekend. Hopefully we get to see one. Yeah, I think that the game's got to be taken care of by Monday. Uh, I mean, they've got to schedule it anything later than, you know, maybe tomorrow afternoon with the Apple Cup. It's just going to be too late to get everything together logistic-wise. I mean, there's just a lot to plan out when it comes not only to travel, but, you know, accommodations, food, you know, and just getting everything there. So between today and tomorrow, I think the next, uh, you know, between – you know, Sunday and Monday morning, they've got to have this thing resolved pretty much by noon tomorrow. So hopefully we have an answer by the time Jimmy Lake with his press conference tomorrow, which is at 1130. So uh, just your thoughts on all of this, Chris. Well, I'm wondering if, first of all, if they can move it to Saturday or Sunday. I wonder well, if could. that would help leave anything. You know, I mean, could. yeah, and I don't know because I don't understand. I don't know what the quarantine situation is for Washington State and what have you. Um, anybody care to, to, to take a guess into the last year that an Apple Cup wasn't played? It was World War II. Uh, I'm going to say 44. It yep. was before any of us were born. 1944. Are you sure, so, Kim? Weren't you? Oh, yeah. never mind. So we're, <laughs> we're, li- we're living in historic times, guys. I mean, we're living with, with some serious history going on here because that, that would be unprecedented in, in, in our lifetimes. I mean, this is, uh, this is a crazy, this is crazy town. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't, and, and the, it's so funny because just, you know, two days ago, we were talking about the idea of maybe army because obviously that had come up in discussions when the Cal game got canceled and all, you know, I mean, there was a significant group of Washington fans that are like, Oh my God, we couldn't play army on two days notice or three days notice with that attack. Are you kidding me? That's a, that's a recipe for suicide. Are, are, are any Washington fans concerned at all about any playing anybody at any time, anywhere at this point? Should they be? I would hope not. Holy crap. I mean, this team's ready to go. I mean, just, I think this is, you know, I think Jimmy Lake has, is become the, um, the, this generation's Pat Hill, yep. you know, where it's just like anybody, anytime, anywhere. We don't give a crap. Just tell us where to go, what time, uh, what field we need to be on, and we'll be there. And um, I'm not sure, you know, if you're a Washington fan, how you can't be absolutely just jazzed 
about that because it's it goes to show what the mentality is on this team right now and 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 how they feel like they're willing to to put everything on the line to show that they are the most resilient and the most disciplined team out there because let's remember folks what did Jimmy Lake say about the team that wins the Pac-12 championship is what the team that handles this stuff the best and comes out of it and is the most focused and the most disciplined that means taking care of yourself health-wise, yep. staying clear of the virus, and doing your damage on the field. And I think right now they're doing all that. Basketball season was supposed to start on a Wednesday, but that's not going to happen. It was supposed to be a tournament with Washington, Portland State, Cal State, Northridge, and San Diego. Portland State's been a mess with the whole coronavirus, being able to practice and all of that. Cal State Northridge sounds like they've got some coronavirus issues. So the first uh, games of the year have been canceled. So stay tuned with more information on that. Um, Just a reminder, if you're looking for those daily updates as well as breaking news alerts, just shoot us a note, huskystadium at gmail.com, subject line newsletter. We will get you hooked up. Also, um, holidays coming up, Black Friday specials coming up. For those who aren't subscribers, look for our biggest promotion of the year. We will have our best deal of the year starting on Wednesday, so take a look at that, and uh, we'll have such a good deal. It's uh, You can't refuse to not be a subscriber to dogman.com, and when it comes to uh, football, basketball, and recruiting, nobody does it better than the guys at dogman.com. So for all of us at dogman.com, I'm Kim Grenolds along with Chris Fetters, Scott Eklund, Go Dogs. 